Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. I'm Mark Pugh. I'm pastor of outreach and operations here at the Vine, and I'm real thankful to be able to be here with you and to to share from God's Word this morning with you guys. Um, We're in a sermon series. On Romans, we've been focused on chapter 1 and chapter 2, and today we're zeroed in on verses 6 to 11. So if you guys want to go ahead and pull out your Bibles, your apps, um, whatever you need, go ahead and do that. Um, you know, as I was preparing for this passage, I, I couldn't help but to, to be reminded of this saying that my brother used to put up on the wall when I was a little kid. And the saying that he posted It went something like this. It's not what you think or what you say or even what you believe that matters. In the end, the only thing that matters is what you do. So my brother, he's seven years older than me. And uh, I I think apparently, he wouldn't be a jerk, but I think apparently he might have been trying to help correct a few issues I had going on. So it's possible that I really thought and I really believed that I was pretty good at everything I did. And I might have even said that a little too much and he might have gotten tired of it, which is maybe why this saying came out. You know, as I think about the quote today, though, and I relate it to our passage, I realize it's, it's not quite right. Like what we believe and what we think and what we say, those things do matter. Because they're outputs of our heart. They're outputs of how we feel. They're they're outputs of our faith. And this is really important in our our passage today because today we're going to see that Jesus judges everybody. That we're all coming under his judgment. So to get a little context um, in our passage for for chapter 2 here, let's, let's look back and see where we've been. Um, We started in chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. It's really just kind of a general introduction. Paul introduces himself as the writer of the book. He's writing to the Romans. He tells the Roman people that he really liked to to visit with them. It turns a little bit in verse 16, 17. A lot of people think verse 16, 17 is the, the theme of Romans, where the gospel, the good news of Jesus, reveals God's righteousness. And the righteous, the righteous will live by faith. Then we get a, another little change in, in verse 18, and we, start, we see God's wrath. So we God's righteousness, and now we have his, his wrath, and his wrath is poured out on the unrighteous. In verses 19 to the end of chapter 130, verse 32, really talks about how mankind is sinful and corrupt. And that leads us to chapter 2. And then we heard from Pastor John last week that you know, not only are we sinful and corrupt, but we tend to like to judge others, which is a problem. But that gets us to where we are today. So if you guys uh, would follow along with me in <clears throat> Romans 2, verses 6 to 11. He will render to each one according to his work. To those who, by patience and well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, he'll give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. 
but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no impartiality. So today, as we think about the fact that Jesus judges everyone, we're going we're gonna to focus on two points. First point is Jesus is a just judge. And our second point is that Jesus justly, he renders eternal life or eternal wrath. So looking at our first point, Jesus is a just judge. We see right away in verse 6, kind of points that out. It says he will render <clears throat> to each one according to his works. Really what Paul is doing here in verse 6 is he's quoting Old Testament. He's quoting Psalm 62. Psalm 62 says, And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you render to a man according to his work. And this word render here, it, it means like to, to pay, to cause something to happen that's already been vowed or promised. It's, it's, a, it's a judgment. A judge renders a judgment. It's a, what they, they state, the decision of the court. <clears throat> and uh, the New Living Translation, the NLT Bible, it sums it up pretty, uh, pretty simply and says, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. So we already know from other scripture that Jesus is our judge. And he's going to render this judgment. He's, he's forming a family, a covenant family that will be his eternally. But there's a great passage that kind of covers this about Jesus being the judge. And it's found in John chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. It says, for is the... The Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will call. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Who does, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. So this passage, it, it's pretty clear. We're not the judge. Jesus is the judge. And it's good for Jesus to be the judge because I, I have a feeling we would really mess it up if we were the judge. And Pastor John, he, he talks about <clears throat> last week that, that we're really not supposed to judge our neighbor, but you know, a lot of times we do that. We see in James 4, verse 12, but who are you to judge your neighbor? We all tend to make uh, excuses up. We might judge somebody who's breaking the moral law, the Ten Commandments, while we're doing the very same thing. John Stott, a famous preacher, said, uh, we work ourselves up into a state of self-righteous indignation over the disgraceful behavior of other people, while the very same behavior seems not nearly so serious when it's ours rather than theirs. So, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a real big we-before-me guy. Like when we're on a project or we're working in the church or whatever, and I sniff out like somebody's for themselves and not for the, the team, man, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, but as I was thinking about this, I was like, well, maybe I'm a little more about myself than I realize. So one of the things that, that we love at the, at the Pew household is family time. I feel like we're always fighting for family time, pew family time. And the great part, or maybe not so great part, is once we get pew family time, then we got to decide, well, what are we going to do with it? Oh, man, that's stressful. Because you know what? 
I kind of want to do what I want to do during Pew family time. And so what I don't want to do is a puzzle. Yeah, the girls, they're amazing in it. They're like finding pieces, putting them down, finding my wife's over here. She's just happy. They're playing music, not my music. And she's singing along. And I'm just looking for one piece. It's terrible. And then worse is movies. We watch some movies occasionally. And then finding one that we all can agree to? Oh, that is unbelievably stressful. I don't really love watching a movie a second time. So I don't want to watch The Notebook or Enchanted again. <laughs> and so the reality is I end up judging people. I judge them because they're not a team player, because they're not doing what I want them to do. You know, we don't want to be the judge. We don't. We, we can't properly judge others. Because of our sin and our selfishness, we can't do it. But Jesus, Jesus can. Jesus is a just judge. You know, he always delivers eternal justice. He always does what is right. His attribute of, of justice, it flows out of his holiness. God's justice and his righteousness, they're very, very similar. And in verse 6, he, we see that he judges us against our deeds. Like, there's no sliding scale here. We're not being judged based on, or we are being judged based on God's holiness. We're not being judged on our standard. We're being judged on His standard. Some of us aren't just a, a little bad or a little good, and so in heaven we're going to have like a little bad circumstance. No. No, in God's eyes you're either righteous or you're unrighteous. You're either right with them or you're not right with them. There's no in-between. And this leads us to our next point. Jesus justly renders eternal life or eternal wrath. We see the beginning of this in, in verse 7. It says, To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. So this verse, it's, it's not describing how we're going to get saved. It's describing those who are saved, how they live their life. Their good works is, a, is clear evidence that they're genuinely saved. A saved person seeks honor, but not worldly honor like a lot of us do. It's honor from God. A true believer seeks immortality. They want to be with God forever. And they're after God's glory, not their own glory. And, and these people, these people will be rendered to eternal life. But we see something different in verse 8. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. This word self-seeking, and it describes personal gratification. It, it describes this self-fulfillment at, at any cost. I, I think we see a lot of this these days. But these people, they're, they're kind of the antithesis. Antithesis, I don't know if I said that right, uh, of one of our values here at the church. And that value is to be humble and teachable. You know, as children of God, powered by the Holy Spirit, we're called to be selfless. We're called to be giving. We're called to be humble and loving to others. But, but these people in this passage, they're unwilling. They're unwilling to be instructed. They're unwilling to learn from God's law. They're not teachable. They're not able to be persuaded in the essence of their disobedience is their lack of faith. 
they don't want to serve God's kingdom right now. And because of that, they will experience God's wrath. You know, I, I, um, I'm a big fan of Chris Stapleton. Love his music. If you guys didn't see his rendition of the Star Spangled Banner and the Super Bowl, it was amazing. You need to YouTube it. It was great. He sings this song. Actually, Bob Dylan wrote the song. But he sings this song um, that talks about how we all have to serve somebody. The, the lyrics go, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. These lyrics are true. We all serve somebody. Charles Spurgeon, from the 1800s, he was, he was called the Prince of Preachers. Um, he, he writes, the wrath of God <clears throat> does not end with death. This is truth. This is a truth which the preacher cannot mention without trembling, nor without wondering that he does not tremble more. The eternity of punishment is a thought which crushes the heart. You've buried the man but you've not buried his sins. His sins live and are immortal. They've gone before him to judgment or they will follow after him to bear their witness as to the evil of his heart and the rebellion of his life. The Lord God is slow to anger. But when he is aroused to it, as he will be against those who finally reject his son, he will put forth all of his power to crush his enemies. This should give us a deep desire to go share our faith. It should break our hearts to see people around us that might spend eternity separated from God. Not to mention just the missing of the peace and the purpose that they would get in life today. So let's look at verses 9 to 11. In verse 9, we see there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. This word tribulation, it's, it means to crush or to, to squeeze. It's to put something under a lot of pressure. In distress, it means to, to, to be placed in a confined space and the, the painfulness of this, that there's, there's no real way out of that. There's no relief. There's nowhere to turn. The verses 9 to 11, they really... They're very similar. <clears throat> they kind of repeat verse 7 and 8. Except this passage, it calls out real clearly that God's judgment is for everyone. His judgment's impartial. He renders his judgment justly, and specifically he's saying here that he's doing that to both the Jew and the Greek, that he's impartial to both. So what does that mean? Well, in this room, I, I think there's several of us that are kind of lean into this, being the Jew, and there's some that, that are Greek. I know from my life, I had to really sit down and think about it. I'm probably more of the Jew today, and 20 years ago, I was more of the Greek. There's some of us that are more of the Jewish person on Sunday, and they're more of the Greek Monday to, Monday to Friday. The Greek here represents everyone, all the different people groups that are not the Jewish people. And they, the, the Greeks, they tended to not know God's law, nor did they really care 
to follow it if they did know it. We saw a, a large list of their sin and really all of our sin in chapter 1. But here Paul, he's talking mainly to the Jew. God had shown favor to the Israelites since day one. They were his favored nation. He brought them out of Egypt. He gave them a land. But, but right here, he's given them a very, very serious warning. He's telling them and, and all of us, hey, judgment's coming for all of us. He's saying, look, this, this idea that I'm a Jew and I get in because I'm favored, yeah, no. Nor is that going to be acceptable for the person that goes to church all their life or has read the Bible multiple times or serves their neighbor, even their really painful neighbor, really well. No, Paul is calling that out specifically, and he's reminding the Jews right here that you're not getting into heaven from that. So how do we know who we are? whether we're the, the Jewish person or whether we're the Greek. Well, I think one of the ways it kind of helps us with that is when you think about who's outside of the church and how they live their lives, do you shake your head and judge them? This is exactly what the Jewish people were doing in this passage towards the Greek. Last week, Pastor John, he told us, you know, we're not... We're not really supposed to judge others, but when you do, you're making yourself out to be like God, who is the ultimate judge. Self-righteous people, like the Jews here, they acknowledge God, but they don't really need him. They're their own savior. They're unwilling to repent. And this is what Paul is calling out in this passage. And I'm afraid a lot of us in this room right now are the Jewish people today. We think the culture around us is terrible. And it and it is in a lot of ways. But we lose sight of our own sin when we're judging others. You know, in, in our places of work, we tend to look around and think we're doing a lot more than somebody else. Or we're in somebody else's cube or office and we're talking about this guy. And this guy, is, he's always talking and he's talking bad about people while we're doing the same thing to him. And our families, we judge our families. We judge our fellow students in our schools. We judge people's driving, what they wear. It is very hard not to do that. Francis Schaeffer, he, uh, he, he gives this illustration about all of us wearing this invisible uh, recorder right around our neck. And it records everything we say for our entire life. And so the moment comes where we're going to, to be judged to go to heaven or not by Jesus. And uh, Jesus says, you know what? Hey, I want to be, be fair about this. I want to get the full story. So let me take that recorder and let's just go ahead and play it back right now and let's hear it all. Like, how would we do with that? We tend to think we're better than other people. But we see in Scripture, in Romans, there is no one righteous, not even one. But you know what? There's some good news. If we look at verses 10 and 11, we see, But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no <clears throat> partiality. <clears throat> this sounds like a whole lot better path to go down. That we would receive our glory and honor from God. And that would lead us to peace, freedom from worry. That sounds, that sounds pretty good. You see, the Jews, they were the first 
to get God's wrath, but they were also the first to receive his blessing. But because of Christ's work on the cross, now all different people types can receive God's honor and glory and peace. It's not just for the Jewish people. So how do we make sure we're going down this good path, that, that we get this rendering, this sentence of eternal life versus a sentence of, of eternal wrath? So when I, was, um, when I was in, right before COVID, we went to Greece and Turkey, and we were kind of going where the Apostle Paul did ministry. And we saw some just amazing stuff, some really cool archaeological things that were in the Bible. It was a great faith-building trip. And, and one of the things we saw was this, this thing called the Bema. So here, here's a picture of the Bema. You see the inscription. It's, it's in the wall there. It's this raised platform that an official would sit on, and uh, he would make a ruling. He would judge. It was called the judgment seat. So it was basically like a court case, and the official would judge somebody who was on the ground kind of arguing their case. And we see this in, in Matthew 27 and John 19 that Pontius Pilate, this wasn't the same one necessarily, but, but Pontius Pilate sat on a Bema seat as he ruled and judged Christ. Romans 14.10 says that every one of us will eventually be in front of a judgment seat. So picture this. You're on trial and Jesus, you're on trial to, to, to determine whether you're going to heaven or hell. And Jesus, he's hanging out with you and he's watching and, and he's listening to everything you've said, everything you've thought, everything you've, you've done. And he's getting ready to render his judgment based upon your works. And you're feeling a little bit of stress right now because you're like, oh, I feel like I may be guilty. I haven't followed God's law completely. And I know my heart has not been for him all the time. So this is not going to go well. But just as he's rendering his sentence, he steps down from the bema. He steps in front of us, and he takes our sentence for us. He takes our guilt, he takes our shame, and he exchanges it and gives us his righteousness. He gives us his forgiveness and his freedom. He carries out our sentence for us. Jesus died for us. He died a nasty death. He went to hell. He was separated. And, and he conquered death as he was raised. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And what he's doing right now is he's praying for us. He's praying for his family. See, we, we don't go to heaven over our good works. We get to go to heaven because we're just like the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross, he was looked over at Jesus that was also on the cross. And, and uh, when he's going to heaven, somebody stops and says, hey, wait a minute, why, why, why would you get in here? And the thief's like, I don't know. The guy on the middle cross invited me. You know, what are you going to rely on? Are you going to rely on your works? Or do you want to rely on Jesus' work? When I go back to that, saying that my brother wrote, it's not what you think or what you say or even what you believe that matters in the end. The only thing that matters is what you do. I'm really thankful that it's not really about what I do, but it's really about what Jesus has done. 
Jesus is the just judge. He took our punishment away from us, and he gave us his righteousness. And now the righteous, the righteous will live by faith. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.